You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 120, Impending Doom, hosted by Dan Terry. That album would actually be pretty good if the, uh, no, no, the joint was saving that one. Josh Baldridge. Whoa, turn that shit way down. And Joseph Wren. Return to sender. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you think there will be violins and violas, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is Josh. You kids ready to get your deathcore on? Yeah. I've been ready for impending doom since they accidentally showed up on my shuffle like three weeks ago. In fact, I think I called Dan and said, so why are we not talking about impending doom? And he said, we can remedy that real quick. Absolutely. We just got to make Josh listen to all of it in a week. And I did. And he loved it. He loved parts of it. For the most part, I was. <laughs> I'm not going to put my stamp of approval on that. We had we had quite the back and forth throughout the week about about this band. A very good discussion leading up to this discussion. Well, you know, Impending Doom's kind of like the land before time, right? They release like a hundred movies, but time hasn't began yet. It's like a very long time, and so my doom has been impending for Impending Doom for the past eleven years. Which is way too long to be waiting for. Very, very long time to wait for your impending doom. It's like a slow burn. It's like an old George Romero movie where the zombie's like three miles away, but you know he's gonna fucking get you. As he's gonna get you. As slow as he creeps up there, he's coming for you. Yeah, no matter what, you can you can barricade yourself in a mall. You can do whatever it is you think you need to do, but you're never gonna escape this impending doom. I'm not sure I agree with this proposed timeline. You get the land before time where the dinosaurs roam the Earth. I'm assuming it's the Earth. Then you get Star Wars, which is a long time ago in the galaxy far, far away. And here we are today. We don't have spaceships or dinosaurs. Yeah, it's kind of bullshit. Well, we kind of have spaceships. We have objects that we launch into space. We don't have, okay, we don't have like interstellar, like we don't have, we can't travel between planets and galaxies, but. No, we cut the funding for that program. Yeah, unfortunately. (laughs) Gee, thanks. Or whoever's we're, in we're, office we're going, when you're listening we're going to this. Nowhere. I'm just gonna pick one person and blame them. We're back to shooting monkeys into space. Totally. <laughs> so speaking of shooting into space, this is not a band like that. I know we talk about a lot of spacey bands out there, but uh well, impending doom is as gritty as the dirt beneath your feet. This is a band that doesn't have hit singles or a band that even plays guitar solos that I'm aware of. There's a few-ish. There's like four guitar solos in eight albums or something. I don't even know how many albums they have. And those were my four favorite songs. Yeah. This is just uh, this is one of those bands that just wants to be heavy, and they largely succeed in that. And uh, to keep up our quota of X amount of Christian bands per month, uh, you know, they, they're definitely in there. We have a quota now? I don't know. Well, I actually just joined a group called uh, Face Down Family Appreciation, which is like a uh, it's like a Face Down Records Appreciation Facebook group. And so I think those guys are going to get a pretty big kick out of this episode. This is one of the first Face Down bands we've covered, except maybe for A Plea for Purging, which is way back in the day. So if you guys are listening, you can check that episode out. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. Well, before Dan and I start talking about depravity all over again, I want to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We're on Spotify, 
Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion Podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Hey, we've been friends for a long time, right? 120 episodes or so. Almost exactly 24 years. It's been a long time. I think it's time to get those reviews, guys. As we stated on our Limp Biscuit episode and previous episodes, 100 reviews on Apple Podcasts, we do a Kiss episode. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent. If you guys want to hear our take on Kiss, leave us those reviews. If you don't want to hear it, leave us a review anyway, but maybe just say in the review that you don't want to hear anything about Kiss. I think that's fair, right? How many reviews before Josh and I get to reprise Metallica again? Well, we're about 70 reviews down, and I appreciate the 29 reviews that we've gotten so far on Apple Podcasts. And I I really, the reason we ask for these reviews is because they help us get recommended to other listeners. That is the only reason we ask for it. We don't get paid when we get a review. Uh, We don't get any kind of special award, anything like that. It's just a way for us to get some exposure for our podcast. That's why we beg you guys for reviews every single week. We got some feedback on our monumental Limp Biscuit episode. I say monumental because people seem to like it and we're kind of surprised by some of our takes on it. I mean, we had Lauren Kozlowski to help us out. We brought Josh into the podcast. It was a lot of fun. And uh, in response to that, Duke Cannon says, and since Limp Bizkit is still my favorite band of all time, this is by far my favorite episode. I felt like Daniel Terry was the only one who really understood the unquestionable truth. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> it's a banger and it gets slid under the rug all too often because it doesn't have a nookie or a Roland on it. That album on all fronts is realer than 90% of their catalog. And I wish they would have stuck with that formula. But it was a time, it was a place in time. I believe they recorded it in Germany and Fred was on Absinthe a lot, so that could explain the deep lyrical content. Plus, having a raw West Borland back into the fold only increased its different approach. Awesome episode, guys. Very well done, and thank you. Duke Cannon then goes on to say, The industry took Fred, a guy who didn't get much positive attention as a kid, and twisted and molded him into the media douche people claim he was. That's really easy to do with a guy like him and millions of dollars thrown at you. I would have done the exact same thing, I'm sure. They pushed him into it hard and it created a monster. I don't blame Fred very much for who he was at the time. He didn't deserve the hate he got. Austin Count says, I went into this thinking it was going to be just be biscuit hate, but was pleasantly surprised. Always have and always will be a Limp Biscuit fan. Also, the lyric was actually, you make a dash for my cash. It's that ass that I'm blasting like a gun. Pew, pew. So thank you for the clarity on that. Sometimes we have misheard lyrics. Thank you very much. And we addressed it, too, on the show that everybody really does like Limp Biscuit to some degree. It's nice in 2019 that we can all just admit it. You don't need to bash a band for the bad media handling that they had, what, 10 years ago, 15 years ago? Right. Well, and the funny part is is that it's like Lauren said, I can't believe you're listening to Limp Biscuit, and it's not even the songs that we know? <laughs> I thought that was really funny and, and very true of how people treat Limp Biscuit in the, in the later 2010s. We got an email from Jeremy Prince. Hey, just finished the Limp Biscuit episode. Love that Lauren was on. Now that he's been on a couple times and Matt has been on as well, when do we get a Jenny guest appearance? 
do a Madball episode since she's mentioned she likes them. Mind you, it'll basically be like listening to the same album over and over. Well, we did listen to Impending Doom all week. No, it's not really the same as Impending Doom because Madball is the ultimate in hardcoreness. And to answer your question, Jeremy, we, we do want to have Jenny on some time, but the problem is... She's got some stuff going on. She's, she's planning a wedding right now, and I don't want to get in the middle of that or add any stress to that. So uh, it'll happen eventually, but uh, for right now, we're going to hold off. So, Dan, tell me about Impending Doom. Doom. Well, Impending Doom is a Christian deathcore band from Riverside, California, that started in 2005. I remember when this band started, actually, because they had a demo out called The Sin and Doom of Godless Men, which had a solid white cover with a blood-red Impending Doom logo on it. And I remember describing it to my friends as, it sounds like pigs are being chainsawed in half. You can find that demo on YouTube. If you'll stop the podcast and go listen to it, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. This is Deathcore at its Bree Bree Enos. This is inhaled lows, inhaled pig guttural vocals. It's incredible, but it gets a little hard to listen to. And I think that that demo was cool because it was a very small piece of it. Whenever we move into their debut album, Nailed Dead Risen. 2007 this formula gets a little bit repetitive. It's not a long album. I think it's like, what, 30 minutes or something? 34 minutes and 17 seconds, according to Google Play Music. Normally, I would call an album that, that lasts anywhere between 25 to 45 minutes as perfect length. I think that can be a problem, though, when, man, all 34 minutes sound like... One long, grueling song. <laughs> yes. I think that was my biggest issue with this album is it's cool. Like, it has a really cool intro. Yes. It has a dude, like, praying. It sounds like the world's going to end. It sounds like his doom is impending. So he's, like, praying to Jesus and all this stuff. And then the song kicks in, and it's just, like, really heavy drums. That's one of the first things I noticed is, like, how hard-hitting the drums were. The riffs are fucking slamming as all hell. And then Brooke Reeves' vocals come in, and it just sounds otherworldly. I mean, just super deep, super guttural. But the weird thing is, is on the first song, he sounds kind of okay. Yeah. Like, he's like you know, you can't really understand what he's saying. You can hear some of the stuff he says, like, I hope I scare the hell out of you, and which is, like, funny for a Christian band to say something like that. Like, it's just being, like... You can take it two ways. He's literally going to scare the evil hell out of you, which is kind of fun. And uh, he says stuff like, don't believe the lies that lead to your demise. And it all sounds cool, but the problem is, is then he starts going into his inhaled vocals, and it just sounds like sludge. And I realized that in 2007, this was the cool thing to do. This is what people wanted to hear out of a heavy album. Like, we had gotten so guttural with our death metal vocals and hardcore vocals and screams and growls and stuff that they're like, what's next? How do we one-up that? So is this considered death metal or deathcore? This is deathcore through and through, sir. I'd agree with that, yeah. Death metal is way more complex than this. I agree. I asked the question, though, because as soon as you say death metal and you give me this, I'm probably not a fan. But when you call this deathcore, I'm expecting that kind of vocal, and I'm willing to tolerate it for the next 35, 40 minutes, however long the record is. Oh, I don't know if I could have tolerated it for 40 minutes. No, no. <laughs> like, so Josh, what did you think of Nailed Dead Risen? Um, I, I like the intros we were discussing before. The first song is heavy, heavy, and growling. And I'm okay with that, but it continues on for the next like eight songs, and that's it's there's no difference between any track to the next. It's just one long, trudging. That was pretty good, and that's fine. Like I don't, you know, I don't 
that's not my particular style, but I can give it a chance if I know that going into it. Just give me some distinction between it. You know, the drums all sound the same, the riff, it's just like the same chords. Need a little change up. And the vocals, I want to, you know, I don't mind the growl. I don't mind it, the heaviness of it. I want to be able to understand a little bit of the words, some distinction. And yeah, Dan says you get like three words out of the first song and then that's it. <laughs> it's just super humanly heavy from there. Pretty much, and it's like, I'm not trying to be a wimp about it, like, oh, I just can't handle these kind of vocals. I listen to tons of bands like this that have vocals like this, but far more compelling music. Oh, and I think it's because it, it makes it boring if you don't. Otherwise, it's it's, it's you get oh, it gets old quick. Yeah, Nailed Dead Risen is a, is a, is a trudging, sololess affair. It doesn't really have anything that distinguishes the songs from one another. If you listen to it for a few years, like I have, you can kind of distinguish which songs you're hearing, but like, if I'm listening to a deathcore playlist and this comes on, I'll know that it's from Nailed Dead Risen by Impending Doom, but I will not know what song it is, unless it's like the opening track. Now, there is a certain cool factor though, like this is kind of like what I said on the Cannibal Corpse episode about, this is not an album that you just like listen to, that you pop on and just listen to. Uh, this is like, you wait until you're like on a business trip and like your boss has to ride with you for the next 34 minutes, then you just put this on. And you're like, yeah, what do you think? This is Christian metal. What, what do you think? Can I talk to you about the Lord Jesus Christ after we're done? It's just going to, you know, like, like it, it's, it's got that fun shock factor. It's like the first time you've listened to the Tony Danza tap dance extravaganza. Yes. You're yeah. not hearing anything other than, okay, that's a thing. Right, except for the, Tony Danza has a lot more under the surface that you can dissect. You can listen to that album over and over and over again, any of the Danza albums. And you can start picking apart really cool stuff that they're doing. On Nail Dead Risen, it's like fast, 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 breakdown, fast, 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 breakdown, stop, growl, fast, 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 breakdown, stop, growl. It's just a pile of deathcore heaviness that everybody loved if they were into deathcore in 2007. Well, I think it was cool for the Christian kids because there weren't a lot of bands like this in that genre. And they're completely legit. Like, there's nothing... There's nothing that, that would separate them from, you know, like a Job for a Cowboy, even though I think Job for a Cowboy is a far better band. Uh, but they have that same style, like that Whitechapel, Job for a Cowboy kind of sound. Under Oath, this is not. Though. Under Oath, this is not. Yeah, so like, this is like if you want to be a real asshole and you go to the youth group and you're and kids are like, yeah, I really like this new Demon Hunter song. And you're like, no, fuck Demon Hunter, or whatever you would say if you were in the youth group. <laughs> it, it wasn't fuck. But, you know. If Darn you, you, I don't like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Crap on you and crap on your Demon Hunter band. Who let Dan drive the van? Listen to this, and then you put on Nailed Dead Risen, and everybody slowly walks away. You know, it, like, so it is very effective in that regard. However, I've heard people say that it's, like, a masterpiece, and I just, I can't get behind that, because it's not. The band releases several more albums after this that are far superior to this. And, uh, yeah, I remember not really knowing what to think of this band. I remember they put out a video... Uh, for the first song, for the first single, and uh, I remember Brooke Reeve. It's like he's in a black, like in a black room, and like whenever he screams, like the light shines on him, and he's just wearing a shirt that just says Jesus right across it. Like it's so cheesy, but like a lot of fun. Uh, they have a song uh, where they're like, they're like, "This is our worship, Gorship," which was just like, "What the fuck?" You're like, "That is so cheesy." I haven't encountered that sort of cheese since like Mortification. Like it's. <laughs> Uh, I still, I would not rather listen to this than Mortification, but like it's still uh, that level of cheese is interesting. They they put out a uh, they put out their own logo called the Repentagram, 
That's brilliant. That's yeah. yeah like that's such a great marketing. Christian heavy metal thing to do. I don't I'm know. gonna say that because that was the kind of shit that you did. You took things that were secular and made them Christian because you perceive that that is what the secular world is doing to your music. Right, but do you really think that Jesus needs the repentogram? I mean, <laughs> Wasn't that always our argument? Like, this doesn't have to be Christian slipknot. I don't know, like, how much help Jesus needs to do his thing, but, you know, whatever. Did, did he need it? No. Did he appreciate it? Probably, Probably yeah. 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 So, yeah, that, the repentogram, it's a thing. You can still get the shirt. It's hilarious. And uh, that's really all I have to say about Nailed Dead Risen. I mean, it's a thing that exists. It has songs that you can listen to. It's super heavy if that's what you're into. But if I were you, I would definitely be jumping on to 2009's The Serpent Servant. It's got like a decomposing Hot Topic kit on the cover, which I think is hilarious. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I like this album quite a bit. Uh, it is totally different than Nailed Dead Risen to the point where you could almost tell me it was a different band. Uh, Brooke Reeves' vocals are still brutal as fuck, but he's kind of done away with all that like inhaled squealy stuff. And I think that that's actually a really a big improvement to the band. And again, people are going to listen to this and be like, you guys are a bunch of wimps. You guys can't handle Deathcore, Slam, or all that stuff. Dude, I can, but I can tell you that there's a lot better bands in those genres than Impending Doom. Right, we're talking about, is this record better than the previous one? Absolutely. Are the vocals better going forward? Oh, yes. Yeah, uh, I mean, quite a bit. You can tell. You can tell he took classes, and somebody gave him advice, he practiced. Like, it's not just getting on there blowing your vocals out. There's actually some strategy behind it, and there's actually some, you know, some rhythm behind there. Like, he's not just getting on there and just, you know, low cookie growl. Like, there's there's a method behind it. And we've talked about the inhaled deathcore vocals before. I'm not saying it's not entertaining as hell to listen to. I'm saying, in most cases, they're not actually saying anything you that they've written to. down on the lyric sheet. But as you say, they don't have to. Right. I'm not listening to it for that. I want my 30 minutes of heavy and all right, next band. Well, I can tell you this. Here's what I think happened. I think they went on tour because they got signed to Face Down Records in 2007, put out Nail Dead Risen. Can we do Face Down Records Revisited at some point? Sure. We never visited them in the first place, but <laughs> we can we can visit them. I'm actually currently making a uh, Face Down Records Spotify, well, not a Spotify, but a Google Music. We use Google Music here on Discography Discussion, so if they want to send us a check, send us that check. Anyway, I'm making a playlist on there that has every Face Down Records release that's available on the service. That's a side note. Here's what I think happened. They get signed to Face Down in 2007. They release Nailed Dead Risen, and then they go on tour for like every month out of the year, maybe with like two weeks off here and there. And he's doing this every single night at every single show. At some point, he's like, there's got to be a better way I can do this and keep my voice. And it'd still be brutal. It'd still be cool. But it doesn't have to necessarily be like inhaled guttural vocals because I think most people like it just for the cool factor and you're not going to be able to sustain that over a whole career. You're just not. I mean, there's bands that have done it, but like, where are those bands in comparison and popularity to Impending Doom? A band that was relatively successful for the type of music that they played. So what you have on The Serpent Servant is a much cleaner record. So the production quality on Nail Dead Risen was very, very, very dank. Like it sounded like they were record like they recorded it in a basement. Of it the sounded, church. Yeah, it sounded it sounded good for what it was, but it was very muddy sounding. All right, guys, we're gonna move all the pews back. We're gonna set up right in the center of the chapel. Exactly. And we're just gonna go, and that'll be the record. Two weeks later, we owe the church seventeen thousand dollars to replace stained glass windows. <laughs> <laughs> hey, churches have great acoustics. I don't care what anyone says. Mm-hmm. 
this record is significantly cleaned up. The drums sound a thousand times cleaner. It's just a better record overall. You're taking the core of deathcore music and doing it better. You can still be heavy, you can still be dissonant, you can still sludge on open, but then you can actually understand what the lyrics are saying. Yeah, Brooks actually sang all of his lyrics, which are cool. Maybe he was saying them before, but I couldn't tell. I can definitely tell here. One of my favorite things about this record is that it sounds like somebody in the band bought him a sugar record <laughs> and was like, hey, we need to do something like that. Sounds like a lead singer move to me. What do you think, Josh? Mm, that's the ultimate lead singer move. So I bought this record yesterday and I listened to it all night and now we need to sound it like this. It makes our stuff sound like shit in comparison. <laughs> it does. And it's, it's funny because Dan's notes that he just mentioned are the same thing I wrote down verbatim, like vocals way better, drumming better, production probably better. The songs have distinction to it. It's not just growl, fast, growl, heavy. You know, there's there's breakdowns in there. Right, and there's a, every every song has different riffs. Yeah, like I oh, can't definitely. stress that enough. You know, you can tell. And one of the things that they introduce on this that they carry it carries them through their career is they actually add quite a bit of background noise and atmosphere to what they're playing. So you get kind of that creepy, eerie vibe behind a lot of the songs, and it adds quite a bit to their sound because if you strip all that atmosphere away, you'd have a very clean, sterile record that would still probably sound pretty good, but it would be devoid of that creepy vibe that this album gives off. Very much so. And I love it. I love the way Brooke sounds. I love I love how it all kind of comes together. You can, but hear, the, you can hear progression in his voice for sure. But at the end of the day, it still gets old. It still gets a little repetitive. It's sometimes just a little too much. It's still like that constant double bass beat is cool, but it also sounds a little half-hearted in places. And I think they tried really, really hard on this one, but I just don't think that they were master musicians yet. I don't have a problem with the repetitive nature of Deathcore in general. It's a 30-minute album, and you're done. If you want to listen to this type of metal, you either want to listen to only this, or I just need my lunch break to deflate and eat my fucking sandwich. I'm listening to Impending Doom. All right, it's been 30 minutes. Let me get back in there. can definitely get you pumped up. But you know what really gets me pumped up? One year later they drop, there will be violence. This is an awesome album. An amazing album. This is Dan Terry's favorite Impending Doom album. Wrong. I was going to say this is mine. <laughs> this is Josh's favorite Impending Doom This was Doom my album. favorite one. I like this album a lot. This one I actually listened to twice. It is super creepy sounding. I like the lead, the high leads into it. There's some rhythm behind it. It's slower. There's a lot of different speed changes and instrumentals, which I am a fan of. Well, yeah, I mean, I think uh, it makes sense that this would be your favorite album just because of the improved lead guitar work. Oh, very much so. Or let me, let me try to explain this in a way that it makes sense. The existence of lead guitar work at all. Yes, it finally shows up on this album, and we thank you for it. Yeah, it sounds really good. They've still got, their, they've still got the backbone that they established on The Serpent Servant because it is very much that band again. It's not a continuation of the Nail Dead sound. Uh, the band as we know them today started with the Serpent Servant, and that's that's the band that we're going to watch evolve throughout. Uh, there Will Be Violence is more of a perfection on the ideas that they had on the Serpent Servant. The songs, again, are way easier to distinguish away from one another, which I know it sounds really fucking basic, but like for some reason this band didn't quite get it uh, starting out, and now they're, they're now they're starting to get it. And, I, and like Josh said, there's a lot more tempo changes here. Uh, the music's a little bit on the whole more technical. Very. It's almost like they had ideas, 
prior to this, but they weren't they weren't technical. They weren't good enough musicians to do it until this album, and it just kind of all came together at the same time for them. Well, this is 2010. Deathcore had been a thing for what? five years, six years at this point. It wasn't a a massively popular style yet until this time. It wasn't just about being sludge with inhaled vocals. It was about being sludge, unison drums and guitars, and vocals that could be sludge at times, but we were starting to get vocalists that actually wanted to be understood, probably because people like me were saying, dude, I'm into it, but you're not saying any of that. Yeah, and I think that that's going to be the great divider. Like I said, I love I love shit like Nailed Dead Risen in a certain mindset. But on the day-to-day, I'm going to want to listen to something that I can understand and really get behind. Because some of the most fun moments of being a heavy music fan is whenever you get to that crazy breakdown and you're like, fuck yeah, and you're screaming the words along with them. You know, like that's, that's the adrenaline rush. You can't really do that on an album like Nail Dead Risen, but you can do that like eight or nine times on Baptize. I'm sorry, on There Will Be Violence. You know, uh, there's a song where they actually have a guest vocalist from the Acacia Strain, which is really cool, uh, and he sounds different than than Brooke. And uh, th- that's one of the first times you really hear anything like that from them. And it's kind of cool because it really, you know, again separates that song from the rest of the pack. Now I have to say, as far as distinguishable vocals go, he is very distinguishable on this record. However, when he screams the chorus, there will be violence, it sounds to me like he's saying there will be violins, which is really disappointing because there are no violins featured on this album. And it's one of those things, once you hear it, you don't unhear it. Yeah, I mean, this this album's been called There Will Be Violins for me pretty much since it came out in, in 2010. But it sounds so pretty at times. Pretty is, is an interesting <laughs> way of describing it. Uh, Baptized in Filth is a banger, man. It, it's, it's literally... We're on There Will Be Violence. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. There will be violence is just a banger, man, from beginning to end. Dan that, just wants to get to his favorite. That album, album <laughs> is just a perfection of what they were trying to do on the Serpent Servant. I know I've said that before. This isn't a bad album by any means. There's not a whole lot to criticize on it. The production's better, the vocals are better, the songs are better. And I think the only thing that they're really running into at this point, though, is in a lot of ways. The Serpent Servant replaces Nailed Dead Risen. Likewise, There Will Be Violence replaces The Serpent Servant. There's almost no reason to go back and listen to that album now that you have There Will Be Violence. Not even for nostalgia reasons? Not really. I mean, I can't... There's a couple of songs uh, on Serpent Servant that I still like. Like, uh, I like the opener, When Waters Run Deep. I like uh, I like When I Speak. I, I like the song, The Serpent Servant. But, like, the album as a whole, I'm not going back and listening to. So is this a discography that you just pick one off the shelf and listen to it? Or as you move forward, you don't really want to go back? Well, I, yeah, it's the second one. Because that that's how I feel. I feel like this band got got really firmly rooted on There Will Be Violence. And so in a lot of ways, if I want to listen to a bunch of Impending Doom, I'll probably start with that album and move forward. Exactly. This is the starting point. I don't want to even really consider even listening to the first two albums. This is where I would begin and go forward from there. Now, Baptized in Filth. 2012, they said the world would end. They were wrong again. <laughs> Unless the end of the world is Baptized in Filth. It happened. It was amazing. It was a Zayo level of Dan will not stop talking about this album in our group. Yeah, I'm building it up, man. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. Try, I'm not trying to shut you down. I'm saying no. It was a good I thing. agree. I agree. It's like where do you go from there? Will be violence. They pretty much nailed it on that record. No pun intended. And uh, nailed dead. They decided that 
on Baptized in Filth that they were going to try to take this sound that they perfected on There Will Be Violence and make it kind of catchy. And it's the weirdest thing ever because, like, you go back and listen to Nailed Dead and you're like, oh, my God. Like, if you're if you're an asshole elitist metal fan. Ladies and gentlemen, asshole elitist metal fan. I mean, oh, my God. Like, fucking Baptized in Filth has fucking choruses on it and shit. Like, I mean, what the fuck are they doing? Like, I mean, Nailed Dead Risen, it was just, you know, it sounded, you know, real and raw and... And, you know, just the way the band's supposed to sound, they're just going to completely sold out now. Because you can tell Brooke Reeve is driving around in fucking brand new cars and private jets and shit because he decided to scream in kind of a catchy way on Baptized in Filth. But he really does. So, like, on that first song, uh, it's called Murderer, there's an actual fucking chorus, and it's not clean vocals. It's not anything that would sell them short of what their sound is. But he's, he's like, almost, he's rhythmically delivering. He's not rapping. But he's, he's got that, like, we have to realize our reality behind our eyes in an unseen world. You know, like, and it's it's cool. And Are you again, saying it heavily that choruses in heavy music give you something to look forward to? If used correctly, if not overused. It doesn't have to be a chorus. It can just be a catchy part that's repeat. Okay, it's a chorus. <laughs> but a hook, a line. It's a fucking hook. Yeah, I mean, is that's exactly what it is. And he has got full of them on this album. It's great. And the songs, again, you can tell every single song apart on the album, which is great. Yep. Distinction and, between them all. And uh, you get an actual, uh, you get a guest vocal appearance from Ryan Clark of Demon Hunter on this. Oh, well, that just sells all the albums then. Absolutely. Ryan Clark just, you know, touches it with his pinky finger. And I mean, platinum. Right? What an endorsement, though, right? Absolutely. Well, Ryan Clark's a good guy to have on your album because if everybody's a Christian music fan, that might get those Demon Hunter fans on board with what you're doing. Yep. I don't know how many of them stayed. But hey, they they gave it a shot, right? Because, I mean, this makes Demon Hunter sound like, um, you know, like, I don't know, Linkin Park (laughs) in comparison. I'm glad you said it, not me. No disrespect to any Linkin Park fans. (laughs) Or Demon Hunter fans. We we disrespected Demon Hunter fans enough on the Demon Hunter episode. What I think is funny is that Brooke Reeves has really cheesy lyrics on this album, but, like, it doesn't matter. Like, this band somehow has avoided the cheese, not for lack of trying, but they have avoided the cheese that's associated with a lot of Christian metal bands. And I think part of that is because their sound is so heavy and so uncompromising. What do you mean by cheese in 2012? Well, like, he he says some shit about Obamacare, which, you know, really didn't age well. Uh, He, you know, like, I don't know, talking about the Antichrist and, like, I don't know. Uh, it's just a lot of a lot of stuff. He talks about a lot of the Christian tropes, I guess, and makes no bones that he's like a conservative, which is going to turn people off. But, you know, if you're just here to slam, then you can still do that. You know how he can get away with that, don't you? Because it's great hooks. Yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Entertainment. Yeah, it's catchy. Yeah, it is catchy. And uh, so my favorite songs on this record is the, are the, actually the first and the last. Uh, there's a part of the last song is called Death, Ascension, Resurrection. And there's a part where he's screaming. And again, he does that really catchy. He's like, the death, ascension, resurrection, death, ascension, resurrection. And then at the end, the last one that he does, he's like, death, ascension, resurrection. Like he's clearing his throat at the end of it. I just fucking love that. Like I'll rewind that and listen to that like three or four times. It's just so fucking metal. But like even that song is like actually melodic. Yeah. You start seeing that creep into Impending Doom sound where they're actually playing melodic sections, but they're still blasting over it. So, like, it it works on so many levels. Uh, Not to bring Tony Danza back into it, but it's kind of like on Danza 4 where they went into more of a melodic sound while still being, like, ball-bustingly heavy. 
And I think uh, Baptized in Filth is the first time where you've got a kind of more melodic, catchy record, and then you have more of a balls-busting, heavy record with There Will Be Violence. So this is the first time where the new album doesn't replace the old one. You actually would want to listen to these kind of together. You know, almost like uh, it's almost like a Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets. Those albums are different from one one another, but they're still great, like as their own product. That's a good analogy. What do you think of Baptized in Filth? I like it. It's I. I mean, I like <clears throat> I like there will be violence a little bit more. But like you said, this one I find myself. Yeah, the lines are catchier and the the hooks. Like hum, like if you're humming them, you humming deathcore. Oh yeah, yeah. of course. Mm. Um, the only the only thing for me is for some reason the snare drum stands out when I was listening to it, and it just it was kind of off putting on some songs. But it doesn't. It's not enough to ruin the record for me or anything by by any stretch of the imagination. Just do what I do. Rip the CD onto your computer in 96k. Exactly. And then you know it all just sounds like the first album. Classic Dan Terry. Listen to him on a laptop plugged into like your auxiliary cord in your car. Oh. It's safe. Try it. It just not- doesn't sound shitty enough. Hang on. Let me rip this at 96k. Dan's like, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> Keep in mind we're in the car in this analogy. Oh, never mind. Hold my coffee. Hold my beer coffee. Hold my buzz. <laughs> now, did you scare any carpenters this week with this, or no? You know, I I worked uh, I worked pretty much alone most of the week. Uh, I guess after the Limp Bizkit incident, they just leave you alone. <laughs> yeah, every time I show up, everybody just scatters like ants. It's crazy. Oh, what's that guy? The garage door guy's here. Yeah, uh, he's gonna make us listen to douchebag. But no, if they if they were here, they would have heard me listen to Death Will Rain, uh, which is what I listened to a lot this week because it. I had kind of fallen off of Impending Doom. 2013. I had just gotten out of Deathcore for a while and just wasn't really interested in whatever their new album was, so I just kind of skipped this next one. Not even that I had a problem with Baptized in Filth, it just, I just wasn't ever in the mood to listen to a new Impending Doom album. If that's, it's a personal thing. It's, don't worry, Brooke Reeves, it's, it's, it's me, it's not you. He was listening to Zayo again. I was, I went into a huge Zayo kick. But uh, yeah, Death Will Somewhere Rain. Around 2002. <laughs> Death Will Rain in 2013 is a crazy heavy album. I don't think this one's even as catchy as Baptized in Filth. There's still a little bit of, there's still a little bit of that catchiness in it. Like it's like they remembered the lessons they learned on that album. But I think maybe their fans may have blown back a little bit on Baptized in Filth and been like, "What's with all this melodic shit?" You know. So with Death Will Rain, you have a little bit more back to basics heavy album. It's a little bit more like There Will Be Violence. Or even Serpent. Yeah, it's a little bit like Serpent. It reminds me more of that album than it did Violence. Yeah. And you mentioned Meshuggah earlier. Yeah. This kind of has more of a Meshuggah vibe. Definitely has more of a Meshuggah sound. It's not quite 2013 levels of Degent, but it does have that robotic in-sync sound that we like about this. Did you say in-sync? Yes, you know, in-sync, like synchronized. Oh, okay, just making sure. <laughs> Tearing up my heart when I'm with you. Stay tuned for the NSYNC episode. Ooh, April what? 1st, 2020. It'll happen eventually, man. Boy bands. Well, I was actually thinking about getting all of our wives to come up and do I, the discussion. I don't know if my wife will do it. Mine Joe doesn't have a wife, so <laughs> it'll be our wives and Joe discussing their favorite NSYNC albums. Mine has already said that if that ever happens, she would totally be on board for that. Well, that's good to know. And if you really want to hear that, you should leave us a comment and have your girlfriends and wives leave us comments also and say, I want to listen to a good episode yeah, but what if, like, you know, your wife is the kind of person that just likes albums like Death Will Rain? Well, then she's already a fan. Death Will Rain's just more of a back-to-basics album. It's not amazing. Like, I don't think it's an amazing step forward, but it's it's good for the fans. It's a toe-the-line record. You just kind of keep the status quo. You didn't decide that you were going to experiment with your bluegrass side project 
in the newest Impending Doom album. You gave the fans what they wanted. And we can add Impending Doom to the list of bands that listens to the fans. Did you just take a shot at Between the Buried and Me? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Go back and listen to the Between the Buried and Me episode. It came out last week. Death Will Rain has a lot of that atmosphere, though, which I like. It has a little bit more of that background noise that we were talking about on Serpent. And it's kind of creepy. It's kind of melodic. That's one of the things that I like about Impending Doom from Serpent on is they're creepy. They try to sound creepy. They try to creep you out, and it's, it works largely. Because, like, they don't insert clips from horror movies or anything. Like, they don't they don't overdo it. It's just enough. Creep, maybe creepy piano part in the background or, like, a... You know, like, you feel like you're in Dracula's fucking dungeon, except for Dracula's, like, a huge fucking Whitechapel fan. And you're like, oh, okay, it's going to be like this then. Well, there's not very many Christian horror movies that you can draw from. But that's the weird thing about Christian entertainment, though, is there really aren't Christian movies. I mean, there are, but they're terrible. Uh, Ooh, I'm not touching that. I'll just say it. I don't give a shit. I get all the hate mail anyway. That's Dan. <laughs> I uh, what would do? You remember? Do you guys know? Remember the last the track name for the last on this one? I forget. I meant to write it down. That was my favorite on the album. Whatever the piano that at the end of that song for like the last couple of minutes. Are you talking about the Great Divine? Yeah, super, just super creepy and ominous. I I had to listen to that a couple of times. I'm not gonna lie. I enjoyed that. It was very eerie. Could you count this in your sleep, Josh? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it sounds so fucking good. Like they've, they've just become so much better as a band. Oh, definitely. Like I don't think they're playing anything super amazing, but they're effective. Very much so, and it keeps the fans happy. So yeah, okay. I wouldn't consider them to be like virtuoso musicians. Is that the no. word that describes good deathcore? Effective. Yeah. yeah. Is this music effective? I think so. I mean, I don't know how many people dedicated their lives to Jesus after listening to it, but it's effective musically. I'm sure some did. I'm sure one guy did. As long as they got one, that they're doing the message right. There you go. Well, we won't, we won't get into my feelings on that on this episode. Just leave a comment for Dan. Well, they took a break for a while, really like a five-year break. They came back in 2018 with an album called The Sin and Doom Volume 2, which a lot of people don't even understand what they mean by that. Well, clearly what they're talking about is original Sin while playing Doom 2. You know, John Romero's heads behind the icon of Sin. So, really, this album is a metaphor for John Romero. Did I read way too far into that? Joe, that's interesting. However, it's called The Sin and Doom Volume 2 because their first demo was called The Sin and Doom of Godless Men. So, I, I hate to... So, this doesn't hate have to, anything I hate to do to spoil with John the, Romero? I hate to spoil the hours of research that you did coming up with that. Coincidence? What have I been doing with my week? That's a separate discussion. <laughs> this album's very interesting to me because it is a mix of, like, it's still the impending doom to put out Baptized and Filth, There Will Be Violence. But for whatever reason, somebody decided it was a good idea to inject some of the nailed dead risen sound into it. Which was a turn off to me, at least. It's not too bad. No, God, no, no, not at all. Like, it's it's enough to where I'm like, oh, well, we're, we're going back to the to the first album. It's okay. so that they can put a sticker on it that <laughs> yeah, says, like, I, I going guess. back to our roots, you know? And it doesn't really do that because that always lies. Is that, a, is, that, is that a plea to the fans? Is that to appease the fans? Maybe. I don't think it sounds anything like the Sin and Doom. As I said, that sounds like pigs being chainsawed in half. So this definitely doesn't sound like that. It basically sounds like Death Will Reign with 2018 production, and they throw in a couple of, like, death metal blast fests in places. However, I don't think it's their strongest album. I think they spent way too much time trying to be heavy and not really thinking about the progress that they made melodically on their previous releases. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that there was a five-year gap between the albums. And I think they were like, okay, well, we got to hit the scene hard. We got to hit it running. 
we got to do what people expect impending doom to do and so they put out a fucking ball busting heavy deathcore record so what happens when you lose that momentum though and that's what happens in 2018 when you've got these fake metal pop bands that sing melodically all the time and pretend to be a plea for purging. Joe's calling you out. I'm not asking Alexandria to actually, you know, say something I can understand. We're not asking him anything. I think this is still effective, though. Like, it's not my favorite by them by any means. But I'd listen to it in my rotation. I mean, it, I, yeah. would, I wouldn't skip over it. I would listen to it. It's an album I enjoy. Yeah. It serves its purpose, right? I don't it think I see Impending Doom the same way Dan does, though, because, yes, there is a very obvious peak in the presentation of this band right in the middle of the discography. This might just be because I haven't been listening to the band for the past 12 years. I could pick up any of these albums, put them in, and be satisfied in 35 minutes. You should put out an ad in the paper, then. Sounds good. I'll support it. There's not much to say about this album. I mean, it's, there's, it's, it's kind of a step back. Yeah, a, a half a step, maybe. Yeah, and it's not terrible. Like, I have no issue. I don't think it's worse than Serpent. I think Dan hit the nail on the head here. It's, it's a band that took a five-year hiatus. They're looking to get back into it, and it's like... Crap. All right. Well, what did our fans embrace us for Meshuggah. originally? Mashuga. We need to be Mashuga. Yeah. So, you know, so it's what, what, did, what got us here in the first place? All right. Well, let's just go back to our roots and get our fans back and then go from there. I would expect well, that still, the next album may would be that progression maybe to the stuff that we enjoyed more so. Well, I think what it really is is that they have to have that establishment back. But they still clearly have listened to the lessons they learned on their previous material. It would have been really easy to go into a studio and just fucking pig scream over some riffs and some breakdowns and call it the Sin and Doom Part 2. And everybody's like, oh my god, check it out. But like, they're smarter than that now. And they realize that fans have come to expect a certain production level, a certain a certain vocal level, a certain amount of hooks. Because the album still has hooks on it. They're just not necessarily as compelling as they once were. But again, I think that's just songwriting rustiness. I still recommend the album. I would, like I said, I would still have it in my rotation. I wouldn't skip over it, like maybe say the first one, at least for me personally. I wouldn't necessarily order the vinyl. No, I wouldn't go that far. But it's a good group. I enjoyed listening to them this week. They definitely won me over with some of their albums. Final thoughts on Impending Doom, Josh. I liked them. Like I said, they started out as being difficult to get through because I'm not, I'm not super into that sludgy, grudgy stuff. But when you get halfway through their discography um, with Violence and Serpent and, and Baptized and Filth, it, yeah, they, they definitely got a lot better, a lot more technical. I liked the vocal hooks, the catchiness of it. And it, yeah, it's a band that I would return and listen to. Like, I, I enjoyed a lot of their stuff. Dan, the expert. Oh, I don't know about expert, man. I know a shit ton about installing garage doors. That you do. Yes. If you're into deathcore and you're a kid that goes to youth group, you have already heard of Impending Doom. They're your bread and butter. They're the band that you put on to scare everybody whenever they get a little out of hand. You know, if you really want to be scary, though, you should go get some old Crimson Thorn albums and show that to people. That'll scare the shit out of them, too. I think that Impending Doom is a band that progressed. I don't think that they're the most amazing band in the world, technically. They are absolutely the proof of concept that you don't necessarily have to be technical as long as your music is effective. Their music is effective. You should check out Impending Doom if you haven't checked them out already. They may not be your thing, but I would say if you hear a song and it's not your thing, don't stop listening because if you listen long enough, you might find your thing. I think Impending Doom is a very solid deathcore band. Overall, their best work is in the middle of the discography. But you can't really go wrong if what you want is heavy, dissonant sludge. You're going to get some melody in the middle. Not much, 
but just enough to give you something different. Do you really want something different, though, if what you're into is sludgy deathcore? No, but there's plenty of it out there. This band doesn't have to keep making it. They differentiate themselves a little bit. Damn, what's your album of the week? That would be Exoplanet by The Contortionist. Has a similar deathcore sound, but the band's super technical and proggy. Josh. You guys are going to love this, but I've been watching, not watching, listening to the 99 Woodstock live album. Little throwback. How many discs is that? Uh, well, it's it's two volumes, so four discs, I believe. I think it's two for each each album. Is it a pretty two good volume. spread of the bands that were playing yeah, that day? Yeah, you've got everything from Corn Biscuit to Prodigy. It was 1999. Uh, yeah, I could I mean, really just look at the John radio. John Mayer, like yeah, it's it's a it's a whole. <laughs> John Mayer played Woodstock '99. Uh, I yeah, I believe he was on that one. Holy shit! Uh, the pep, you know, Chili Peppers. Like, it, it's a pretty good mix. Talk about a remix opportunity. Mm-hmm. Give me something to break. Also, You're always buzzing just like DMX, too, apparently. I didn't realize that until listening to it, but apparently he was there. Very nice. My album of the week is War of Ages, Return to Life. Because we're all about face down this death week, will man. will rain. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Solid State. It's all face down. Oh. If you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, you might ask yourself, man, they've talked about all these bands that I love, but they haven't talked about this band that I love. Can I get them to talk about the band that I love? You can send us suggestions in a variety of different ways. You can go old school. You can send us an email at show at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion. On Facebook, we have a discography discussion official Facebook group that you can join. Just ask to join the group, and I will approve you to join the group, and we share a lot of memes in there. Sometimes you can get some inside info about what's coming up next. There's just a lot of good people in that group, and we appreciate them. In addition to that, we also have our own Discord server where you can chat with us in real time pretty much any time. There's a guy that sends us messages at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm usually about to go to bed, but I respond to them anyway. It's a lot of fun. It's a quick way to get an answer from us or drop a band suggestion. We'll have a link in our show notes that you can click on to invite you to the Discord server. You can also find us on Twitter at Discuss Metal Dan or Discuss Metal Joe. Or if you just want to send a tweet to the podcast itself, you can just find that at Discuss Metal on Twitter. So there's a lot of different ways you can find us online. And if you can't find us, it's your fault. And on that note, this has been episode 120 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash Discuss Metal. We have some sweet perks. Hey, Gavin. Get right on that microphone and I want you to say, Metal! Metal! Metal.